Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are so excited to start our series today about marriage. We're especially excited to have a guest with us today, the lovely and talented. Lovely and talented. Lovely wow. and talented. Mac Richard is with us today. We are gonna talk about marriage for the next couple of weeks. We're so glad you're joining us. We wanna welcome in our online moms. If you are watching by yourself, listening by yourself, or if you're with a group, we're glad that technology has connected us today. And our prayer is that you feel a group in Austin cheering you on. Absolutely. Rooting for you and walking with you. Um, also, I wanna encourage you as you listen or watch today, if you have the opportunity to grab your husband um, or your father's child and you can listen together. We're gonna talk a lot about God's ideal and God's design and how we can work to parent together by working on our marriage. So let's start with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the calling of marriage. We thank you for the calling of parenting. We ask right now that you settle our hearts and minds and that you open our eyes and ears to see and hear what you want us to see and hear today so that we can be all that you've created us to be and our marriages can be all that you designed them to be so that we can grow up these children to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, first of all, I want y'all to know I love getting to be here with y'all and online. This is, this is a treat for me, and I get more nervous about Fearless Mom than any other speaking engagement that I have. There's something, I don't know what it is, I think, I, I think part of it is I understand the stakes and what is at stake with what you all do every day and what you do online every single day. Also, to be the only guy in the room is a little intimidating. So I just thank y'all for your warm welcome. But more than that, I think it's important that you understand how critical, how critical it is what you do every day, but also that you're a part of the Fearless Mom tribe. You are making a massive difference, and that's a big deal. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for allowing me to be here and for what you do every day single day. So thank you for what you do every thank single day. Thank you for being here. Well, you bet. I love how you said that like I had a choice, but I am excited <laughs> to be here. Um, I mean, I guess you had a little bit of a choice. I, I did, asked I did. You. you did I ask. Asked you did ask for sure. And I was, I was very excited, but I do get a little, I get a little amped up, which is fun. Um, Julie and I were recently having some friends over to the house for dinner. And these were very good friends very casual meal. We were gonna just kind of hang out. Julie was gonna make a pot of stew, which is unbelievable. Thanks, honey. I was gonna grill some venison sausage, and we were gonna have one of our kids pick up some queso at our favorite restaurant for queso in town. So it was way, way laid back. And about two days before we were gonna have these people over, I had the idea, I'm I'm gonna, I wanna make something that's just kind of special. I like to cook. We like to cook together. I enjoy cooking. And so I told Julie, I said, Julie, I found a recipe. I'm gonna make duck when these friends come over. Now, if you've ever had duck or ever cooked duck, duck can go way wrong in a hurry. It, it does not take, I mean, it, you have to do a lot right to make duck good. And I could see Julie kind of going, really, okay. Do you want to try it at home first before we have friends over? I was like, no, I got this. We're going to kill it. And she was so... For those of y'all who don't have Garden and Gun magazine, um, Garden and Gun, I, I think it's pretty Southern, but it'll definitely make your husband feel like a chef. That's all I'm going to say. So I found this recipe and I said, I, I've got a good base in this recipe, but I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to change. Everything I said made Julie more nervous. I'm going to tweak it. That is not a good sign. And so... We, we kind of started working on this together, and it, it was such an involved recipe. You had to prepare and cook a brine that you were going to marinate and soak the duck in overnight before you put it on the grill, which, of course, is the right way to cook anything on the grill. So we, we worked together in the kitchen. We were making this brine, put it in the refrigerator overnight, pulled it out right before the friends came over. I put it on the fire. And, and I have to say, in all transparency, in all honesty and humility, 
it was phenomenal. It was, it was, it was. absolutely unbelievable. People came in and we just put it on a plate and said, here's something along with the sausage, along with the stew. People were like, what is this? This isn't, I go, that's duck. And like, this is duck? I, duck I, every time I've ever had duck before, it's been gamey, it's been tough. And I go, not my duck. <laughs> and so I kind of named myself the Mallard Master. Like, I, I, I don't know what happened. I prayed about it. We worked on it hard together, and it came out phenomenal. Now, I tell you that story because that's a good story of one of my experiments in the kitchen. I have been known to try new experiments and leave things simmering on the stove for hours until they cook down, and then the smell fills the whole house. That's, kind of, that's not atypical for me. So the fact that I mastered the mallard at least one time in my life was a massive win. As dicey as mastering mallards are, mastering marriage is a significantly higher stakes game to play. And that's what we're about today and over the next couple of weeks here in Fearless Mom is mastering marriage. That's the goal. There's a psychologist out of New York named John Gottman, and he and his wife have studied marriage and over 40,000 couples across more than 40 years. They have done these longitudinal studies of the same couples over time. And one of the things that they've kind of discovered and, and created is this label of a marriage master. And I think it's a great thing for us to kind of put in the frontal lobe and say, this is what we're aiming for. This is what we're shooting for is to make marriage phenomenal, to make it everything that God intended it to be. The book of Ephesians says that the role of the husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. And the wife is to honor and respect her husband as the church honors Christ. Now, that is a beautiful, beautiful picture. I've used it in multiple weddings throughout my ministry. But what does that really and truly mean? I think especially if you're a single mom. Because as soon as we say we're going to talk about mastering marriage, I know there are some of you and a lot of you online who are like, well, I'm not married. Or my marriage has already gone downhill. I'm here to tell you as the product of a single mom household, you have a massive role to play. And I just want to tell you, as, the, as the, one of three sons who grew up with a single mom, my mom raised three boys by herself. I just want you to know that we take our hat off to you, single moms. And I think every fearless mom in the room ought to give it up for the single fearless moms who are making it happen on their own. I can't tell you how many times Julie and I have looked at each other and said, man, this is a team sport. So those of you who are fighting it solo, you are not alone and you are not crazy. You are doing an incredible, incredible work. And you have a significant role to play in shaping your children's perspective on marriage and how you handle your perspective on it's marriage. It's very significant, actually. And I, I think that your mom, um, even she was a single mom, but she recognized the significance of marriage. And so she made sure that you guys were tethered to a church and were exposed to healthy marriages all the time because she just wanted you to have that healthy concept not, of marriage. Those are not small things. Tethered to a church means we were a part of the church. My mom, we went. My mom's five foot three, she's not a big girl, but we were at church. And the other thing is, she never, ever dogged my dad. She never trash talked my dad. And, and for the record, she could have, okay? He gave her plenty of ammunition she did not use. She knew that she was helping to shape our perspective on marriage. And it made a big difference. As someone who is married to a child of divorce, you know, and everybody talks about the cycle or whatever, or the struggles of being married to someone who grew up with, um, you know, in a single parent family, um, I know that I reap the benefits of her hard work and her effort to, even though she was not married, to make sure all the boys understood what a healthy marriage looked like, because perhaps that would be in their life one day. And I know that I reap the benefits of that, and I think that's one reason we're so passionate about marriage. Yeah, yeah. And so when we talk about marriage, it's not because we did everything perfectly and we have the perfect marriage, but it's because we believe passionately that God's way does give us... a 
Well, I mean, you know, you're close to perfect. <laughs> uh, that God's way does give us direction and yeah. that when we submit our life to his laws and our ways to his word, our lives will work better. And therefore, our marriages work better if we seek his guidance, because marriage is not easy. Even when you're married to Mac, I mean, you know, it takes work, I'm just saying. Every time he teaches on marriage, just FYI, this is an aside, he's up here going, I mean, it is hard. Marriage is hard work. I mean, it is a constant battle. I'm like, reel it in there, buddy. We get it, we get it. It's work, okay, we all understand. And it's blissful, am I right? Uh, of course you're right, honey. Got it. Good Were your answer. Lips Good answer. But you know, everybody <laughs> wants to be a marriage master. I don't know anyone who's married who doesn't want to master their marriage. But many of us, um, we look and we go, I'd love to, but I don't know how. Mm. And then, so it, it's hard to know how. And then also, once you do know how, you have to choose to actually do it. And so we all want it, but are we willing to work for it? So we have to change our want to into work to. Because That's as good. Mac often says, marriage is hard work. So you have to change your want to to work to. And say, I'm willing to do the work to make this marriage everything that God designs and desires for it to be. I am willing to do the work. And you know, Mac and I teach a lot on marriage and we are now, we've been married uh, over 27 years. And, but it's not always been great. And, and it's not always been where, as a matter of fact, I'm guessing it was about seven years in when I remember looking at him and saying, and I can't even imagine it now, but it was real at the time and, and it was painful. And I said to him, I think you married the wrong person. And I don't know what we're gonna do about it because um, I know we're not gonna divorce, but this is not gonna be very much fun. <laughs> if you married the wrong person and we're stuck. But I remember thinking, I'm, I'm not the right wife for him. I can't be what he needs from me. I don't understand him. He doesn't understand me. We had two kids. We had um, just launched the church and we were at an impasse. We, were at a, we weren't fighting. It was like we just didn't know what to do. We weren't we, fighting, but we weren't clicking. No, we were we not, not. We were not on page. the same page. And it, you know, my judge of everything is, is it fun? And it wasn't <laughs> fun. And so I was like, something's wrong, <laughs> you know? And, and, I, and we didn't know what to do about it, but we knew we didn't want to stay there. And so yeah. we began doing the work, doing the work necessary. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pleasant. We had difficult conversations. We had honest conversations, but our goal was marriage master. I think we knew too that just existing in marriage and just surviving and staying together right. was not God's desire. Right. We knew that God had something great because he had called us together. We knew we were called to be married. We knew that, but, but we were married. So it, you know, however you felt really didn't matter. I hate to break it to you, but we knew that God wanted our marriage to flourish and to thrive. And that's the goal. And I think sometimes in that moment, it was hard to imagine how we would get there. But to, to remember, just to know that fact that God desires every marriage to flourish is a significant point. Absolutely. I think a lot of people also get to the point in the marriage where they go, I don't like how this is going, but I'm pretty sure it's my husband's problem. Or a husband goes, you know what? I don't like how this is going. She's got a few things she needs to work on. You know, and, and it's one looking at the other. And here's my challenge to you today. And this is what we say at Fearless Mom often. We're gonna talk about marriage today. Now forget about your husband. Because I want us to focus on what we can do. I can't control Mac. I've tried. I can't control him. And really, his actions are his responsibility. But my actions are my responsibility. And so I'm going to embrace the responsibility for doing my part to make our marriage great. For doing my part to master marriage. And if he comes along for the ride... Obviously, that's ideal. It's ideal that husbands and wives are working together, but that's not always the case, nor do you have to wait to work on your marriage until your husband is ready. You begin working on it today, right now. You can shift your thinking and say, you know what? I'm gonna do my part. 
I'm gonna do my part. And you don't even have to tell your husband, FYI. You know what? You're not in it, but I am. I want you to know that I'm I got working. this. Yeah, that, that's not what I'm saying, but <laughs> what can you do? And we're gonna give you some very practical things that you can implement in your life, that you can implement actually in every relationship to improve that relationship. And so we're looking at very practical, simple, and fearless mom, we don't want to add to your to-do list. We want to help you be intentional in what you're already doing. So they're very simple. They're very doable, but guess what? You got to choose to do it. The good news is when the Gottman studied um, marriages and they studied relationships over a period of time, they discovered the difference between a master and disaster a master, a marriage that was thriving and a disaster, a marriage that was dying. And you know what? The good news is, what they discovered is it was behaviors. Why is that good news? Because I can change my behavior. I can implement certain things to improve my marriage. And yes, we all bring personality types to a marriage and he brings his baggage, I bring my baggage and now we share luggage, you know, and, and we, we bring all this to the table. And yes, there's some circumstances out of our control, but the research shows that these behaviors that we're gonna talk about today can improve your marriage yeah. and can put your marriage where it is supposed to be. So the first one, you gotta do the work, obviously. So the first one is express gratitude. Express gratitude. It's not that hard, is it? Just say thank you. Thank you so much. And I mean, maybe you're, you start out with, thank you for breathing. You know, I mean, maybe you're thinking, I can't think of anything. Think hard. You can think of something. Thank you for working as hard as you do. Thank you for taking care of the um, garbage. Thank you for caring so much. I had a friend one time and it drove her nuts that her husband cared so much about the yard. You know what? Flip that. Thank you so much for caring about our home. Thank you so much for caring so much. I mean, I don't care that much and it's kind of bugging me, but thank you, you know, thank you. <laughs> Express gratitude. The research shows that there was a study done um, at the University of North Carolina and they brought couples in and they said, now we, we just want you to have, they called it a gratitude session. And they had them look at each other, not just feeling thanks, we're all about the gratitude journal and writing down so we can think our grateful thoughts, but then expressing them. And so they had them sit and face each other and thank each other. Thank you for this, thank you for that. Then they revisited those couples six to nine months later. The research showed that that gratitude session actually put their marriages on an upward spiral. It shifted their thinking, not feeling gratitude, but expressing gratitude. It's something you can do. It's actually easy. There's so much science about you know, how being a grateful person improves your physical health, your emotional health, your relational health. It's in scripture. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody say all. Oh. You can always find something to be thankful for. You can always find something to be thankful for. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful and express gratitude. You know, this is one of those things, just real quick. How many of you, as, as wives, how many of your husbands have a male ego? Can I just see a show of hands? If, you have, if your husband has a male ego, I know, I know, what a blessing, right? <laughs> but... This is one of those things that will help with your husband's male ego because if you, let's say that you're, let's say that you're a date night or before you go to bed one night, maybe date night is a distant dream at this point. For you to just look at your, Julie does this on a regular basis. She'll say something to this effect. Thank you for working hard and providing for our family. Now, he may be a workaholic and is working too much. That's not the point. Thank him for working hard and providing for the family. For example, when Julie does that to me, that does so many great things for my male ego in a good way, in a healthy way, a God-honoring, constructive way. Julie says, thank you for providing for our family. I'm like, well, you're welcome. I'll go do that again. <laughs> because it, it feeds something in a guy. And I know in a woman as well, but there, it's different in men. It's different. It feeds something to be appreciated, to be admired, to be respected. That is, that, is, that is intelligence that you should take and use at will. 
you'll, you won't believe what and, it'll and do And I for think it's also, if you can layer it in, thanking him in front of your children. Oh my. Um, involve them. And, and even, now, I vividly remember, um, and you know, I grew up in the deep south, and so the roles were very southern and very in a box. Um, but I remember my dad, after we would have a meal um, at the table, my dad sat at the head of the table, three girls around, my mom here, and he would push his chair away and he would say, Honey, thank you so much for dinner. Girls, help your mother clean up the kitchen. And then he would walk out that every time. But I mean, it is so vivid to me, that memory of my dad saying, thank you, honey, for dinner. Girls, help your mother clean up the kitchen. And, but it was, he was yeah. you know, thanking her. I, th- I think it's huge for us to model that for our children. That, and I um, think it's huge for men to do the same thing. That's why I was saying, see, really, because my dad was doing it, I was hinting. Hey, baby. Yeah, I got you. Got you. But it really does make a massive difference because I know a lot of times Julie felt like, what did I do all day? Like, (laughs) what, what? And, And so for me to walk in and say, honey, thank you that the kids are still alive. I don't know that I could have done that, which for the record is true. She was like, he really does notice. He really is paying attention and appreciates. You think so, even last night, thank you for the laundry. Thank you for the, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty good about that. Thanks, baby. Okay. So express gratitude. Number two, extend grace. Extend grace. This undeserved favor, this undeserved kindness undeserved mercy really is amazing in a marriage. The fact of the matter is, as wonderful as you are online, you mess up. When you mess up, how great is it for somebody to say, you know what, I get it. I I get it, I, I mess up too, let's just move forward. I forgive you, let's move forward. For you to extend grace to your husband, or if you're watching this later on as a guy, to extend grace to your wife is fuel to the marriage because conflict is the one thing that will cause the wheels of your marriage to grind to a halt. And it is also the thing that you will immediately go back to the last conflict when you're in a new conflict. I have heard that women remember things better than men. That's some research that I have done. And immediately you start going, well, I remember the last time he did this and we talked about it and he said it would never happen. And so all of a sudden, you're in the middle of four different arguments that are all connected in your minds because you see everything and we're going, huh? So extend grace. It's really interesting in the Gottman study of these longitudinal marriages over years. They found that marriage masters in conflict, marriage masters have a ratio of positive expressions during conflict of five to one. So when Julie and I are having a conflict, let's say that let's say hypothetically that we're a marriage master. When we're having a conflict, there are five more positive expressions towards one another than negative. We're still dealing with the negative. And and by the way, don't don't even try to eliminate all negative. Some conflict is good. Some conflict is necessary to call out things that are not healthy. And every relationship develops things that are not healthy over time. But when you do that, marriage masters statistically express positive emotions and, and feelings on a ratio of five to one. Marriage disasters, it is 0.8 to one. So the negative expressions far outweigh the positive expressions in marriage disasters. But negative expressions carry more weight. So in order to be a master and not a disaster in marriage, your positive expressions, even in conflict, need to be five to one positive to negative. That is, when I saw that number, that was a staggering statistic to me. And then I thought about it and I was like, sounds just about right. If you're going to get through conflict. And one of the things that Julie and I have discovered is when we're in conflict, we're still on the same team. 
Our goal is to be husband and wife, to, to be one flesh, united in God, united as husband and wife. That's, that's the goal. So when that's the goal, then it's a matter of finding out how to get back on the same page. That's what conflict does. Instead of needing to be right, and just for the record, I love to be right. I rarely am, but I love to be. That was nice of you to say, but I, but I I, you, you are, I like to be right. It's amazing that we ever end an argument, actually. <laughs> um, but it, that, it, what do the Gottman say? How much of the disagreements are never this is resolved? 69%. This is good news. 69% of marital conflict is never resolved. Agree to disagree. There are things now, that you Now, some of you are going, 69%, well, how do we... That's good news. What that means is most of the stuff that we get amped up about doesn't matter. That's within the marriage masters. 69% never gets resolved. As they would study these couples over time, stuff they disagreed about in year one, they still disagreed about in year five or 27. Isn't that interesting though? But it's kind of like, that's, but if you think about it, let's say that you have a healthy marriage. If you kind of start thinking about it, go, there's a lot that we disagree on. There's a lot that we are not on the same page on. Like I, I would love, I don't have any tattoos or ink. I would love to get a tattoo. I just haven't figured out anything that really matters that I want to put on my body forever. Julie would never in a squillion years get tatted up. Now, I think it'd be really hot, it but she's not going to do it. It looks very painful. It looks very painful. So, which I'm, I'm like, okay, that's not a hill I'm going to die on. You know what I'm saying? So. That's, a, that's good news. <laughs> So the, one of the things that the Gottmans did is they identified the four horsemen of the conflict apocalypse in marriage. And I want to just mention these to you just to be aware of them very, very quickly. Four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse. Number one is criticism in a critical manner. Criticism. What's wrong with you? Why, why do you do that? That's, that's a critical spirit versus Hey, I would have appreciated when we were out the other night and she started talking about what a bad guy he was, if maybe you hadn't chimed in like you did. That would have been awesome. Just think about that maybe next time. You see the difference? There's a critical spirit versus a non-critical spirit. Number two, defensiveness. Defensiveness. Masters accept responsibility for their role in the problem. My knee-jerk reaction my knee-jerk, when Julie points out something that I could do better, hypothetically, my knee-jerk, I don't do that, you do that. I, that's my knee-jerk. Instead of kind of going, all right, you've got a point. I, I, I'm sorry that I've made you feel that way. I'm sorry that I've responded in that way. I, I promise you, I will work on that and I will do better. Defensiveness. Number three, and this is a big one, is contempt. Contempt. If you get to a point where you are contemptuous of your spouse, you need to find a Christian counselor. Contempt, where you kind of look at your spouse like, you're just the worst. Or you take on an air of superiority. I cannot believe he is doing that again. He's an idiot. Now you don't say that out loud but you think it, that's contempt. And number four, and this is one that men do a lot, women are not above it, but men do it a lot, stonewalling. Most of the time when men are confronted with conflict, particularly in marriage, our, re our, our reflex is to turtle up, is to, is to go into the shell like, mm, mm, mm. okay, yeah, got it, see, okay, cool, thanks. That's stonewalling. Stonewalling is not engaging in healthy conflict and not extending grace to your spouse. So it's important that you look at your marriage and you go, okay, are any of these present? And what can I do? And do I have a heart that is feeling contempt? Do I have a heart that is hostile and is in a bad place? And then remember, I can do something about it if I do. 
I can control my behavior. There are choices I can make and actions I can take to get better, to improve, to identify that um, horse, what do you call it? The, hor- the apocalypse? The four horsemen of the apocalypse. And do something about it. Don't just stay there. Um, and then if you have a friend who's in a marriage like that, or if you're in a marriage like that and you're talking to a friend, it's so important that your closest circle of friends are people who will fight for your marriage when you're tired of fighting. Yeah. My closest friend, Ashley Horn, I say this all the time, and I would get so mad at Mac, let's say, for instance, hypothetically speaking, and I may say something to Ashley, and she would say, have you talked to him about it? And my response is always, I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk about him, and I need you to be mad at him with me right now, okay? But the truth is, she fights for my marriage when I don't feel like it. And so she, you need friends. It's so easy to find friends who will join in and go, yes, he's terrible. Let's get a cup of coffee and talk terrible about him. It'll be so much fun. And now my husband's terrible too. Let's, let's get together and connect over this. But you know what you need? You need friends who will fight for your marriage when you're too tired to fight yeah. for it. You need friends That's who huge. will speak truth to you and say, <clears throat> you know what? Uh, he is rude. Now, what are you going to do about it? And so, are you expressing, you know, gratitude? Are you extending grace? Because if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you better dig deep and find yourself some grace. You don't go 30 years. You don't go 40 years. Talk to people who've been married 50 years. They've extended grace and they've needed grace. It is part of the package. Yeah. You have to change your want to to work to. And the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. You do the work, and you choose to say, this is what God has called me to, and by golly, we're going to have fun whether you like it or not, buddy. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to extend grace to you. And number three, I'm going to exercise generosity and kindness. It is a choice. It is a choice to choose to be generous and kind. Generous, not just in you know, giving gifts, but generous with my thoughts. I'm generous with my thoughts when I choose to give my husband the benefit of the doubt. Mm. He's late coming home. He said he would be home at five. So what do I do? I start telling the kids, I'm not sure where daddy is. He said he'd be <laughs> home at five. I don't know. Why don't you text dad, okay? Because he said five. That, that's not extending generosity. <laughs> that is actually terrible. That's making the children accessories to right, the crime. Right, right. But... Instead, I go, you know what? Um, I bet there's a good reason. I'm gonna be generous with my thought. I'm gonna choose not to go to the negative immediately. I'm gonna be generous and give him the benefit of the doubt. And then I change my tone. I can't change his behavior. I can change my response to it. And so I choose to be generous with my thoughts and my actions. I am, let's say there is a movie that he wants to watch that I don't wanna watch. I'm gonna be generous with my actions. I'm gonna choose hypothetically speaking. Yeah, that's not true. I know. I, I, he... We just have different tastes in movies. Let's move on. It's part of the 69%. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, and that's okay. Agree to disagree. Um, and so, but I am generous and I'm kind. I, I choose to be kind even when I don't feel it. I choose to be kind. I think when you remember, you know, it, when you get on different pages and you don't like each other, which happens, okay? Remember, we chose to get married. There, there was something here that, that seemed like a good idea at one point. So when I remember that and I go, Julie got married, obviously wanting me to be the greatest husband that has ever walked the face of the earth, but she also wants to be a great wife. So when I remember she wants to be a great wife, she's not being difficult just to be difficult per se, but... As if. (laughs) Yeah, again, hypothetically. But I remember she's got something really working on her. That's what I need to get at. That's what I need to figure out and... If I'm supposed to love her the way Christ loves the church, then that means that I've got, to, I've got to go beneath the surface and go, what's the need that's not being met at that point? What, what is, how, how about this one? How would God like for me to love Julie in this moment? How would God like for me to respond? Let's say that Julie's 100% wrong. <laughs> Let's just say that. How would God like me to respond in this moment? For you as a wife, let's say that your husband is a thousand percent wrong again. How would God want me to love my husband in this moment? How does God love me when I'm a hundred percent wrong? 
That's, that's how you get through conflict and start resolving it. And I think sometimes we get to gridlock in marriage. And, yeah. and this is what our goal is, but we find ourselves here. Mm. And so we, this is the goal, but we're here. And go, this is me over here. I can't control him, but what if I change my posture to this? Mm. What if I change my posture to this? Then I say, you know, what, what can I do? Generosity and kindness, what can I do? Now, if we look at one of the most important parts of working on a marriage, it is friendship. Friendship. Work on your friendship. Work on your relationship. What is a marriage master? I think we, we missed on that first page. What is someone who masters marriage? A husband or wife who will not quit working to make his or her marriage great. So I'm here. What can I do? I am a marriage master. I will not quit on working to make my marriage great. So I change my posture. I begin to ex, you know, express gratitude. I begin to extend grace. I begin to you know, have generous thoughts and kind thoughts and give him the benefit of the doubt. And I go, what can I do to work on our friendship, to connect on our friendship? So instead of you know, just gripping tighter, I go, okay, I want him, there's something that he's thinking. There's a dream in his heart. How can I get there? How can I connect with him? So I turn my posture to this and I study him. And I go, you know what? I'm gonna figure him out. I'm going to figure out what his interests are. I'm gonna try to be interested in what he's interested in. I'm gonna work on our friendship. I'm gonna work on our relationship. I think one of the biggest things that we forget, fun is a big deal. Never underestimate the significance, spiritually and relationally, of fun in your marriage. Remember when you dated? Oh, you were clean, you brushed your teeth. He was creative in dates. We're not just going to a dinner and a movie, we're going to a museum. <laughs> and then, I'm gonna, sh you know what I'm saying? So don't forget about fun. Fun is a big deal. And what Julie just said, study your spouse. What's fun for him? Men, study your wives. What, what is fun for your wife? For Julie, this is a little thing. She loves order in our house. And so, and I'm usually the last one awake in the evening. Julie's asleep before I am. If I walk back into the kitchen and there are plates still in the sink or beside the sink, I know when she gets up in the morning, which is usually before me, and she walks into the kitchen, it's gonna start her day on the wrong foot if there's something dirty in the sink. So, I have been studying this little angel here for 27 plus years, and I'm like, I'm gonna put the dishes in the dishwasher. I'm gonna make sure that when she wakes up in the morning, she doesn't have to mess with any of this stuff. That's a little itty bitty thing that goes a long, long way. Now, take that and go to the next level. What's fun? How, what, what is fun that, that for you two as husband and wife. And humor, they actually found a trend in all the marriages, really the marriages that were thriving the most, they all had humor, they all could laugh. So in those moments of conflict, they said even there was, um, there was a same pageness and there was an understanding and they could even laugh at themselves. Yeah. They took the marriage but not themselves too seriously. And so there's a posture of humility, a posture of humor and say, you know what, I acknowledge that I can be wrong in this situation. And that perhaps even though you're 98% wrong, I'm gonna take responsibility, that was hypothetical, for my 2%. Because what is my responsibility? To get my heart right and, and to start addressing it. So I work on that friendship and I, I express fondness and admiration and a, a posture of appreciation and respect. And this is a game changer. We talk about it all the time. They documented couples, and this is from the Gottman study, and I, I love it when science supports scripture. And this is, they, it wasn't a biblical study. They weren't only looking at biblical marriages. They studied all sorts of couples. And guess what? Everything that they discovered supports scripture. It's just amazing. So this one is so tiny and so doable. Responding to the bid. If you've heard us teach on marriage, you've probably heard us say it before. Responding to the bid. Marriage masters respond to the bid 87% of the time. So almost nine out of 10 times. Let me explain to you what that means. You're husband, your wife, you guys are offering bids to one another probably without even realizing it. Something like this. 
Um, I'm gonna give you an example, and this is 99% of our bids. We have three dogs, and one of them is Bo, and Bo is Max's favorite. And so, every time Bo does- It's not so much mine as no, it is God's. Definitely, but. no. I, I mean, we're talking, Bo can be, and Bo does the same thing every day. Bo goes outside and rolls in the grass. Every time, Mac will say, Julie, come here, come here, look, He's look at Bo. He's just so happy. Look at He's Bo. He's just so look happy. Look at Bo, and I have a choice, and I'm thinking to myself, is he rolling in the grass like he does every day? And so, but, okay, but I'm going to respond to the bid. And I go, let me see. And I go and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, he's rolling in the grass. And look, he's gonna come back in on the carpet. That's awesome. You know, every time, 95% of our bids are about Bo, I'm just gonna say. Or, or this is a big one for Mac too. Mac loves for me to laugh at the same things he laughs about. So if we're watching a TV show and maybe I didn't laugh at the right time, he rewinds it and makes sure that we can share that experience together because obviously I did not hear it if I did not laugh at the same degree. And so he rewinds it and he'll go, wait, listen to this, as if I didn't. And so, okay, this is something that I just read this time and I did have to apologize to him because I, I was like patting myself on the back. Honey, we are in the 87th percentile. I'm killing it on the bid responding. But there is a difference between passive constructive response and active constructive a lot of times I was giving passive constructive. He would say, look at this, and I would go, yeah, and then keep doing what I was doing. I responded, but it was passive constructive. So I'm capable of I told it. him yesterday, I go, I'm gonna be so active in my response now that I read that that is actually <laughs> better. And so I tried so hard. I can't remember what the bid was about. I think it was... Um, with something on TV. Yeah. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if I'm in a different room, he will literally yell, I paused this for you. Uh, you definitely want to hear it. And so I was like, I, As I said, fun <laughs> is underrated. I wasn't even watching the show. Like I was in the other room doing something, but I had just read that and I'm like, this is gonna be so good for our marriage. And I am not just going to respond to the bid. I'm gonna be active and I'm gonna give an active constructive response, not passive constructive. So I went, I sat on the couch, he pushed play. Well, I was like, ah, that is all. It was real, yeah, it was yeah, real, it was real. But I, I, I had to make a decision. What I was doing, I'm certain, was super important, okay? But I, I'm like, this is important to me. Our marriage is important to us, and I'm going to be, I'm going to laugh at what he laughs about, and I am going to be engaged, and I don't know if it takes y'all three and a half hours to watch one episode of Modern Family, um, but it does us, because we, we, we have to rewind everything <laughs> over and over and over again. But guess where we are now? Was there a time in our marriage when we weren't on the same page? Yes, we made some changes. We chose to exhibit these behaviors. I can't express to you that it's worth it. I can't, and if you're here Thanks, and you're going, I can't see it, I can't, I promise you that God's desire, his design is for you to be here and for you to be here. And it requires work and obviously there are situations I'm gonna give the big disclaimer, abuse, something like that, where that, that's, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a marriage where you got, you know what, I don't see this yet, but I trust. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna trust that I'm gonna do this and I'm going to work at it and pray and surround myself with people who will pray with me and I know that one day this will be here. I forgot to read the scripture. Sorry, were you about to no, say no. something? Be no. devoted to one another. In, this is important. <laughs> Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another. Be committed to making it work. Be devoted. And then submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Sometimes you have to choose to do this. And you're thinking, no, I need him to. What you choose. Submit to one another and say it's worth the work. Submit to one another. Whenever you think about marriage is hard work, go to submission. Because what I said earlier about how would God like me to love Julie in this moment, that's the answer. God wants me to submit to her. He also wants her to submit to me. 
So when we've mutually submitted, look at that. We're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the same direction. We may not be there yet, but we're moving in the same direction. There's a lot about Julie that I'm crazy about, a lot. She's the hardest worker I know. I've never been around anybody who works harder on the things that matter most as Julie. And she, and I, I helped, but she dug in and did the work at year seven, year eight, year nine. We still have to work at it, but it's a lot more fun now. Can I just tell you, the empty nest is a noble goal to aspire to. It is an awesome gift from God if you do the work. And again, I, we keep coming back to this. I can't do this on my own. I need the help of the Holy Spirit to submit to her. I need the power of God that raised Christ from the dead to give me the strength and the courage to submit and trust him to submit to her. Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. God created marriage. He wants to give us a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them like you mean it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we love you with everything that we have. And God, we trust that you do have our best interests at heart. And that as we glorify and honor you, you will work all things for our good. Father, I pray for every marriage represented here that you will guard and protect them while at the same time you flourish and cause them to thrive. We ask this prayer in the name of Jesus, the one who makes it all possible. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Mac and Julie. Um, there's usually a wide range of reactions to what you've heard. And um, some of you are sitting there thinking, you know, wow, I'm in a sweet spot with my husband. I feel really connected. We've got systems and routines in place that really prioritize our marriage. And as Julie said, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And you realize your yard looks pretty good because you're working on it. You're watering it. You're treating weeds before they even pop up. And there's others of you feeling like you've got the demands of so many little people in your house, whether it's the baby days or maybe it's the taxi phase, where you're finding it hard to um, get that time to connect with one another. And you look in your yard and you're like, oh, it's getting dry out there. We better water. Oh, there's some weeds. We got to pull them up. You're taking care of them, but as they come up. And there's still others that are here today or watching online that are feeling really disconnected. Um, as you're listening to Mac and Julie, and maybe you're wondering if it's worth it to put in the work to restore your relationship. And for you, you look at the, the grass in your yards getting kind of dry and taken over by weeds. And as we heard today, all of these stages take hard work. And a few years ago, I was um, watching, a t watching TV, and I was definitely in the baby days, so I only caught part of this movie, but it's called Hope Springs. And it caught my attention because Steve Carell plays a very serious role. He's a marriage counselor. And so I was intrigued because it was coming out of his days of Michael Scott in the office and grew in Despicable Me, and I thought, Steve Carell in a serious role? Um, but he gave some advice to a struggling couple that has stuck with me, and so I looked it up so I could share it with you all. Um, his advice was, uh, even, in, even great marriages have terrible years. So bad, you're tempted to give up. But don't. Hold on. There will come a time when you look back on this moment as the prelude to something fuller and richer than you've ever experienced. And just like Julie shared in our semester opener, there's value in struggle. Whether it's struggling to maintain your routines, or if it's struggling to find time to connect, or if it's struggling to restore your relationship, there's value in that struggle. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, don't give up. 
You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Proverbs 14, 23 tells us hard work always pays off. So we're gonna take a few moments to process everything that we've heard, to think about where we are in our marriage and what our role is, what we can control. And if you are here today, flip in your spirals to the next page where you can see the self-reflection. If you're watching online or with a group, grab your notes, grab your uh, prayer journal, grab a piece of scratch paper, whatever you have handy. And then we're gonna take two minutes to stop, to think and pray, asking God to show us things as they really are. We're gonna evaluate ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, maybe the words and tones we use in our conversation in our relationships. We're gonna list the things that we can do, ways we can express gratitude, we can extend grace, we can exercise generosity and kindness. And then we're gonna commit to the fight. This is the part where we take action, where we work to make our relationship what we want it to be. So we'll take a few deep breaths. We'll remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. This says, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. And then we'll dive in. And for those of you watching online or with a group, this is your cue to get somebody to set a timer for yourself, for your group, uh, for two minutes. If you will, bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for the vulnerability that Mac and Julie shared as they showed us how they have and continue to work to be, master their marriage. Thank you for opening our hearts, for clearing our minds, and for reserving the two quiet, peaceful moments that will follow, perhaps the only two quiet, peaceful moments of our entire day. Thank you for allowing us to focus on ourselves, on our role in our marriage, and on, or the relationship with the father of our children. God, help those moms who are in a sweet spot think of ways to fine tune their systems or routines for staying connected. For moms who are in a particularly demanding stage with their children, help them think of ways to ensure that this is only a season and not a life sentence. And for any mom out there who's really struggling in her marriage or with the relationship with the father of her children, God, I ask that you blanket her with your love and help her open up to healing. Help her see that this painful place is only a prelude to something that you have planned for her that is more full and richer than she has ever experienced. God, thank you for your reassurances that you are for us and that our hard work is always worth it. I ask all this in your name, amen.